Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Thanks so much for tuning back into the show. On this week's episode, I'm really excited to welcome Lazaro Gamio from Axios. If you haven't checked out the Axios site, you really should. They are doing some really cool work with data and data visualization, uh, which is, of course, where I focus on, but also on the on the news reporting as a whole. Um, Laz leads the data visualization team over there at Axios. Uh, he's worked at the Washington Post and the Miami Herald. And so we talk about the work he and his team are doing over there, uh, some of the non-standard graphs that they're using, and also about the um, the sort of non-traditional, different type of layout and feel at the uh, Axios site. Um, you'll also notice that we have a little fun at the beginning of this episode. Uh, sometimes I just cut that stuff out when I have a little conversation with folks before we actually do the interview, but uh, we had such a good time this this time around, I thought I would just uh, leave that in for you. So, you know, hang in there for a couple minutes until we uh, get to the actual content. Um, one last thing before I get to the interview, if you would like to support the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast provider. Um, or if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, that would be great. Just uh, a couple months, a couple bucks a month will help me cover the costs of sound editing and transcription costs, and also, of course, to uh, pay for all the web development and, and web hosting needs. Um, I've put links to both those uh, iTunes and the Patreon page on the show notes page, so please do consider supporting the show. So here is my chat with Lazaro Gamio from Axios. I'm not even going to introduce because I'll do that later. I'll just stitch it on. Sweet. And the only rule is like, and I'm bad at this too, like not trying to uh, yeah. pick so, a distance. So maintain like, the same distance. Maintain the distance. But other All than right. that, there's not no rule. Okay. Um, I'll do this one. This feels like I could, I could maintain. Good. You could do that. I could maintain this for 20 minutes. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll try how, how long can you hold on? Hold the, hold, how am, long can you hold it, right? I am extremely fidgety. Like, I think <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I cannot stay in the same position you, for like 15 something? seconds. Do you need something to like, I've got like stress walls and stuff. Uh, you know, that actually would be you fantastic. I've got, I've got the earth. Oh, uh, yes. And I've got this from, uh, this from is visually, a, like a oh, look at that. thing. Yeah, I just love to squeeze the earth between my fingers. <laughs> this is a metaphor. Feels strong. It's a metaphor. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Um... All right, let's just do this. Let's just give it like five seconds of quiet for the air so we can pull the air out of it. Sure. And then um, then we'll just start. That's fine. Figure it out. Yeah. I'm, it's you like know. December, right? Well, I feel like everything's just like... Whatever. It's a reflective time of the year. Yeah, this is, is a perfect time End to do up. a podcast End about up. what we do for a living, right? <laughs> so this one will come out right... Um, I think I'm going to do like second week of January something like that. Great. So just plenty of time for to look for a new job after my bosses hear this and go like, well, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Oh, can I curse? Oh, yeah, you can totally curse. Oh. oh. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. This is great. I'll put the little explicit thing on it, too. That's great. How many of them have the explicit thing? Uh, Just one. Really? Kim Reese, I think, is the only one who swore. That is bullshit. Because, <laughs> you know, all these fucking people curse every single day. Oh, all the time. Yeah, like, I can't. they try to be, they try to, you know, so, they but, try to hold it in on them. But you told me this is not a professional podcast. So I mean, it's, it's like, professional, but it's not, you know, I mean, look at me. I'm just like... You know, yeah. I'm slapping microphones down. So for, for for listeners at home, uh, <laughs> yeah. John's not wearing pants. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like doing a webinar. Yeah, you know, it's pantsless teaching. Yeah, it's, you know, as long as you don't stand up halfway through. Yeah, you know, you just have to look it on top. That's, that's, that's okay. Oh man, life is a facade. <laughs> um, why don't we we just let me just start? We just go start. for. It. I mean, we already started. Yeah, yeah. We could just fine. I'll put all this in there. I'll just have that's you great. like yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell folks about you? Yeah. Yourself, so, so you know. uh, 
I'm pretty sure you can just read my name on the website, but I'm, yeah, I'm Laz. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, I lead the visuals team at Axios, and uh, I used to work at the Washington Post. So I was an assignment editor at the graphics department there. Um, now my job is a little different, right? So like, uh, I went to Axios, and I was like, "Hey, can I just make charts?" And they're like, "Hey, how about you edit this team?" And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, well that you know, I um." One of my problems is I never say no. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, here I am. Um, and the team is a little different than what I did at the Post because I'm in charge of both data viz and illustration. Okay. So um, I'm sort of helping, you know, art direct the look of the editorial illustrations that appear on the site. Right. And also, you know, edit the data viz that appears. So it's like I'm using both sides of my brain, right? right. Like the sort of, you know, art side and then the sort of more technical side that, right. you know, you have to employ for database. How many people are on the team and then what's their, what's the split between like the illustrator side and then the database developer side? Sure. So right now in total, we are eight folks, including myself. So I'm the visuals editor. We have four folks doing database. Those are Chris Knipe, Harry Stevens, Andrew Witherspoon, and Naima Ahmed. And then we have three folks doing editorial illustrations. So that's Sarah Grillo, Rebecca Scissor, and Ida Amar. Uh, so it's a four-three split right now, and we're yeah. we're hiring one more person for the database side. Was it that size when you got there? No, we started, and uh, I it was three of us. Yeah. So in two years, since you know Axios is as old as the Trump administration, so about <laughs> ten million years. Yeah. Um, and you know, since we started two years ago, we've essentially tripled the size of the team. Yeah. Which is fun. So, so tell me about the difference then between, since you've done like the big mm-hmm. standard Washington Post, the hundred years, yeah. and then, and now like a, I mean, not a startup, but essentially a startup news yeah. room or a young newsroom. Like mm-hmm. we're an old startup. Old startup. Yeah. Old startup. How do you view the differences between the two? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I think, um, when I left the post, I was looking for something a little bit more like dynamic, right? Which is why like Axios was so attractive to me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, there are no rules, right? Like yeah. there was like no bureaucracy, no nothing. And there wasn't, right? Like it was a wild west. Like I sort of just did whatever I want and we had success. And, you know, now that we've built more structure, um, you know, it's still very different, I think, from what your traditional newsroom mm-hmm. is like. Um, I think the biggest difference, um, between the work I do at Axios and the work I've done in the past is just that the format at Axios is very different, right? Like yeah. we're, all, we're all about the smart brevity, yeah. keep things small and concise, which, you know, I never, I never really understood the luxury of having space, right? Yeah. Of like having a blank slate, you know, every time you open like a graphics template, like at a big shop, right? it's like, oh, I can do whatever I want. I can have like a big photo, like right. a little tiny chart here. Yeah. And like just sort of like take my time. Right. Right. Because we're taking this like very sort of um, like rigorous reader first approach mm-hmm. where we know for a fact that like when readers open a website, they most of the time will just close it without reading anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if they do read, they'll maybe get past like one scroll. Right. Right. So taking that rigorous approach means that we have to be equally rigorous, as rigorous as we are in the writing uh, mm-hmm. with our visualizations. Right. Yeah. So. What's the one chart that we can do to sort of communicate what we want to communicate, and that's it. Right. Right. Which is kind of hard, right? Like yeah. It's like it's like it's so much easier to do more yeah. than it is to do less. Right. And there's so much time that we spend just trying to figure out what shouldn't be there. Right. Which is a different type of labor. So, so I want to come back to the look of Axios because mm-hmm. it is like really different from the from the other places. Yeah. But this point on uh, essentially more versus less. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you a statement that I gave to a previous guest. And sure. Just, you know, okay. So uh, tactical considerations aside, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is harder to create a good, effective static graph than a good, effective interactive graph. This is just true or false? Um, maybe true, true or false with a with a with a explain your answer below. Sure. I mean, I think so. They're not really inherently different, right? If you mm-hmm. think about it, like an interactive chart is a static graph yes. until you interact with it. Yeah. So it could just be shitty. You know, there you go. You can, you can, you can put explicit on it now. <laughs> so it, it can just be a shitty chart, yep. you know, the same way like a static chart would be a shitty chart. Right. I think the tools that you have, you know, maybe make it easier to make a better chart because, uh, you know, something like Adobe Illustrator is much more expressive yeah. than like D3 can be. I right. mean, D3 is expressive in how you can use it to do anything you want, but then the annotation layer is a little bit more laborious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think technically, like if you're talking about like the know-how required to make an interactive chart, yeah, definitely right. it is much harder to do it in D3. You know, once you've got your skills in place, like... Well, I guess some people, would, I mean, like some people would argue right, that illustrators or InDesign, like those are hard. I mean, they're yeah. click and menu, yeah. but they are, they are heavy, dense tools. Yeah. yeah. What's the easiest tool to make a chart in? I mean, this is the this is like an ongoing question now. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, and should so it be easy? Other, it should be easy to a point. Like, I yeah. don't want the tool to allow you to do everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always a sort of maybe goal that you'd have a tool that like you could do the data analysis and you can make the graphs mm-hmm. and you could do the interactivity and make good design. And I worry about like that tool, like the one to rule them all. Yeah, because I don't like I don't want statisticians to be making design decisions easily than yeah. like and, and people who don't know anything you know don't know enough about data to be like doing statistical analysis yeah. like it's easy enough now to like do a regression but not everybody should be running yeah so what's the easiest tool I don't know I mean what do you guys so what do you guys use uh, we, we essentially just use two things okay. like we use uh, Illustrator we have a very robust mm-hmm. AI to HTML rig that uh, we design each chart five times Okay. So like we have three mobile versions and two uh, one one tablet one desktop. Okay. And then that all from there we, we pre- essentially make flat versions for every imaginable platform right. that you can think of. Wow. Um, and then our interactives are all D three or D3. you know they're just just JavaScript. And um, what about the the data analysis part? So from there we do. I mean I work a lot in Python. Okay. Uh, like some folks work like in Node. Like. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of R2, so it just depends. Everybody has their own skill set. Yeah. And, like, you know, as long as you get to, you know, where you need to go, it doesn't right. matter what you use. Right, right, right. So how does the um, the Illustrator side work? Well, because I'm not as familiar with that. Like, if I have to make five different versions, is that a manual process? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're creating a new artboard of the right dimensions. and then Oh, no, we have, we have a template. Like, oh, okay. That, that would be madness to try to do that each time. <laughs> Nobody wants to work that hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so what are the, the templates? That, so you have templates in... For all the all the style decisions are all templates. Yeah, I mean it's all like there there are a lot of there are good um sort of guidelines there. Mm-hmm. Um uh, what do you call it? Guardrails, right? Um yeah. so like all the yeah. you know, we have the right typefaces, right. the right colors. I think we've made I mean I I'd say on a given week we make about twenty visits. So like yeah. we work we we're a high volume shop. Right. Um so doing that, you know, we have a good corpus sort of to like lean back on and be like, well, what was well you know how did we do this last time we did it? Yeah. So like these sort of we have a design language that is ongoing and evolving and sort yeah. of everybody is participating in. And does and does that include the reporters as well? Like do they get to chime in and say, I wish this chart had a different look to it or something like that? Well, I mean I think so when we get feedback from reporters, like I think 
feedback like I don't like red is not feedback, right? Like that is just <laughs> like okay, cool. That's, like that's, yeah, that's just a complaint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think feedback from you know non viz people is valuable in engaging the readability of the chart, yeah. right? Where like I don't get this. If like if you have an expert in a, in a given field that asks you for a chart and they don't understand what you did, I think it is time to reevaluate what you're doing, right? Right. right. So I think. Um, like we have a again like a pretty robust feedback process where like uh, we were really big on Slack right so yep. like you're making a chart and like you post it in a room and then everybody yells at you for five minutes right <laughs> um, and then often you'll show it to the reporter and then it's in a really good spot by then yep. and there shouldn't be any problems right um, but obviously a lot of those discussions should happen beforehand yep. right like you know lots of dialogue makes good work right. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you about the bigger projects. Well, sure. I don't know, maybe they're not bigger projects. I don't know. Like, like you especially, I think, I've seen a lot of the stuff that you do is like a lot of, like I've seen B-Swarm plots a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's mostly, well, maybe it's not mostly you, but I've seen a lot of B-Swarm plots. Yeah. Um, which I really The like. hot new chart of 2018. The, it's a 2018, yeah. right? It's the chart of the year. The trend um, is dying. <laughs> so what do you like about the B-Swarm? Um, I think uh, a big problem with any time, anytime you do like a dot, in a viz, yeah. like you're gonna have clustering, right? right? Like it's a big problem with uh, scatter plots, right? Like yeah. I think there was a whole Twitter debate that I maybe partook in um, <laughs> about you know occlusion, right? Like yeah. you know, so you have you have a lot of occlusion, right? Yep. Um, so B swarm plots solve that because you can see each you know each dot, and you don't have to worry about hiding information. Right. Um, now, obviously, they can also be really problematic, especially when. You know, one of your axes, you're relying on on one of the axes, X or Y, to encode data, and you're obviously distorting it. Yes. Right? But I think they're good in that they give you the overall sense of the shape. Right. Which right. is so you get all the important. individual points yeah. and, then the, and then the whole shape. Yeah. Do you think people get that? Or do you think your readers get that? I think they do. Because yeah. I, I think your normal reader isn't going to, you know... Put you know put a ruler up to the screen and be like hmm this one's off by right. six pixels right right normal people don't do that right you know we're not normal but you know <laughs> but even we don't do that yeah exactly yeah. so I think I think there's like a, you you have you have so much power to be exact mm-hmm. that often you know the need to be exact outweighs the necessity to sort of just be clear yeah right. Yeah. Like I think it's more important to be clear than to be pres- you know exact all the time. Right. As long as you have a good reason for it and as long as you can explain it. So there are other non-standard, I don't know what the right term is for this, but like yeah, non-standard, let's just say. Non-standard charts like outside the lines and bars and pies like other things yeah. that you love. Yeah. I mean like you know lines and charts and pies are like well, we never do pies. That's a right. you know yeah. it's like a crime against humanity. <laughs> but you know I think you know lines and bars are your meat and potatoes. Right. Yeah. But like I think because we have this sort of, you know, uh, space limitation, like, yep. you know, our, our, our sort of gold standard is like make one really crazy thing mm-hmm. uh, at the top, right? Okay. Um, we often just experiment, right? Like just like, hey, what's the weirdest chart that I can put up there? Yeah. Right? Like I've done a couple of connected scatter plots that, you know, some of them have been good. A lot of them haven't. <laughs> you know, I'll <laughs> right. be the first one to tell you. Uh, we do like a lot of non-standard encoding. Um, I made this like wildfires thing a while ago. Chris Knipe did this like really great hurricanes piece um, when he started that just shows I think like what is it like wind speed over time. Oh right, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like we're really big into I think having that space con- constraint is just, has just forced to be very creative about how we encode. Yeah. Uh, that all obviously creates like a density problem. 
right? Where like it's just like a lot to read, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, this is like a constant sort of uh, struggle, right? When you when you're making charts, like uh, yeah. charts are meant to be looked at, right? Like they're, they're work of they're work of uh, they're, they're visual, right? Yeah. So you look at it first before you read it, right? So whenever you have a chart that you have to read, sort of ingest mm-hmm. all the information, you know, you're asking the reader for a lot, yes, right? So we're constantly trying to tread that line. Mm-hmm. We're like. Hey, if you look at this, you'll get a lot from it, but yep. like, you have to make that investment. Right. So explain a little bit about the layout because when I go to like Axios.com, it's definitely a different look than yeah. Washington Post, right? It's not set in the you know, like the three or four columns with yeah. the thing at the top and the pictures everywhere. It's more sparse. It's a little more yeah um, direct. I don't maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our you know our sort of you know thing is smart brevity trademark. Um, <laughs> and you know, the, our goal is to provide the best information for people so they can get smarter faster. Right? Yeah. And it's about having that respect for the reader to just say like, Hey, you need to know this mm-hmm. and here's why it matters. And if you want to read more, click this button and if yep. not move on to the next thing. Right. Right. So that is the goal. It's, it is ruthlessly reader first. Yes. We're like, you know, we're not going to make you read, you know, 800 uh, words of B matter. Yeah. You know, after the first or second paragraph. So right. you can know more. If you want to, go deeper, right? And we, we do that on every single story where we have a button right. that That's you can just read continue more. Continue reading, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that is it. I mean, that is that is the fundamental mission. Like, yeah. there's a lot of information out there, and we're trying to deliver it to readers in the best way possible. So I know as the mm-hmm. graphics team, you're thinking a little bit differently, packing more in a, yeah. in a tighter spot. But I imagine it's an even bigger switch for some of the reporters okay yeah i mean it is it is tough to write short yeah. right like it is it is something and it's something that we're constantly perfecting yeah. like we you it's know like short with the option of long yeah but even yeah. even the long yeah. is like maybe 400 words yeah, yeah yeah right yeah um so we're putting essentially two paragraphs before the button mm-hmm. right and then uh even getting it down to like you know 300 400 500 is long yeah yeah, yeah. right um, so yeah, you just have to learn to, do, you know, you just have to sort of kill your darlings, right? right. Like, like what is essential here, right? Yeah. Like, are you, are you telling people something they already know, mm-hmm. right? Like, do you really need to say this, right? Yeah. I think, um, like, you know, in charts, it's like, are you, are you putting this to, so you can feel okay with what you're doing, right? right. Like really long notes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's like, I'm going to caveat yeah. this seven ways and right. it's like, well, it is or it isn't, right? Yeah. 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 So, so tell me what I want. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What about the the bigger pieces? So you're doing like 20 visits a week. Yeah, smaller things. Smaller things. Mm-hmm. What about do you like how do you organize and create the the bigger projects? Sure. So I think our you know our benchmark for bigger projects is um, usually they they should fall in one of three buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you should do a big project so you can learn something technically new, right? Mm-hmm. So like that is that is important for us as people who make charts where. You should be challenging yourself technically constantly, right? So a big project can fall in that category. Um, Two, are you going to be doing something unique with a data set that already exists? So like this is where maybe you can push the field of data visualization forward by coming up with like a crazy new chart. Yeah. Like that is worth doing. Right. And three is, is the data newsworthy? Right. Like Mm -hmm. do you have data that nobody else has Either because we got exclusively from somebody, or you constructed it by yourself. Right. Right. So you have those three buckets. Like those, those are one of the you know, those are the three check marks that I look for when I say yes or no to like a bigger project. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then from there, we just have to make time. Like yeah. we, we, we run a daily, we're on a daily news cycle. Like yeah. we, I think the longest we spend on a project is maybe like two or three weeks, mm. which is not a long time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you know, I think I've, I worked on projects that have lasted like a year. Yeah. Right. Um, so, in, you know, we, well, once we say yes, you know, it's like, well, let's make the time. And then, I mean, it, it's no different than a small one. You just, you know, work and you right. show and you work more. Yeah. Right. And then eventually we get to a place where we have buy-in from everybody else and we just publish it and then get all the likes on Twitter, you know? <laughs> Which is always the goal. Which is the goal. Yeah. yeah. The goal. We're all working for everybody else on Twitter. <laughs> you know? So your staff will pitch ideas to you? Yep. Do you ever get stuff from like other parts of the Yeah, industry? of course. Yeah. I mean, it's very, everything is just percolating. Yeah. Right. So like. I think what's one of the benefits of working at a small place is that it's a it's a village, right? So like everybody yeah. talks all the time, right? And there's a lot of contact between the graphics folks and the reporters. In those situations, like you'll have ideas that bubble up or ideas mm-hmm. that bubble down, and there's ideas coming from everywhere. Right? This is not enough time. Or people not enough time. Just need to slow it down. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not gonna happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned earlier about Illustrator sure. and mu- making these multiple versions for mobile, yep. desktop, and, and tablets. Mm-hmm. What about? Um, Interactives. Do you? I mean, I know you can you can code them so they're responsive. But yes. how do you think about people on their phone interacting with the thing versus people who are on the desktop interacting? With well, that's something I said. You know, it's what I said before. It's like every interactive chart is a non-interactive chart until you interact with it. Right. right? So, like when we make interactives, first of all, interactives are expensive. Mm-hmm. So, if you're gonna make something interactive, it better blow my fucking mind. <laughs> Like, you, you better click a button and literally change my life, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you can't, you know, I mean, we do this all the time where, like, we'll make a we'll make an interactive that has, like, light interactivity where you can hover over a dot mm-hmm. um, and, you know, uh, get, get information on stuff. Um, but it should work well without that, right? right? Like, it, a, a good interactive chart has to be a good static chart first. So when I'm scrolling through it on my phone and I see the scatter plot, I get the point. Yeah. Even though I'm, I'm not going to, you know, yeah. try to point my thumb on that little point. You have to assume that people will not click. Yeah. Right? So, like, I think if you are forcing a reader to interact with something, it like, it has to be spectacular. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, that's the benchmark. Change yeah. my fucking life. Yeah. And are you seeing, and you're seeing that on, on your, on the people, on, on usage and, and page views and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, this is this is known yeah. that like nobody clicks on anything, right? Like people just scroll and like scroll and scroll. And scroll. If you spent like three months coding up an interactive, like I'm sorry, nobody's clicked on it, right? Like that's just this is the truth, like, right? You know, and I think the reason to do it still is like I think Gregor Reich had a, a nice long you know yeah. uh, write up on why uh, why you should still interact with things. Um, I think it's good to provide a high level of transparency to readers. Like, there are readers who, like, will look at your source data and, like, call you out on your bullshit. And I think those are great readers. Like, those are very yeah. engaged readers. Yeah. Um, and you want to give them that level of, of insight into, like, what exactly you are doing. Right. So, it's, it's you know, it's a trade-off. It's a, it's <laughs> Luckily, we are amazing at it. So. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't sound like an asshole. But, <laughs> but I mean, we, we, we have a – we're pretty good at, like, making interactive stuff very quickly. Right. Like we've got – we've made them enough now where, like, we have enough tools to, like, bring it up pretty quickly. Pretty quick, yeah. But, you know, you also give up the sort of expressivity that you have with a tool like Illustrator where, like, you want an arrow and a label here. And, right. And, and that's the exact spot of this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right, right. We make it work. Right. Um – we, we talked about bee swarms. Yes. And we talked about connected scatter plots and scatter plots. Mm-hmm. So, what other 
crazy non-standard chart forms do you do you like that you think people get? Because I always I always come back yeah. to when I talk to like students and especially you know professionals to like show them a dot plot or something, right? And say, oh, that's really cool, but I. I couldn't put that in my report because my manager would never get it. Yeah. Like, well, let's look at the New York Times. Like, they have this scatter plot or bubble plot with like a million points on it. Yeah. Like, not the average New York Times reader doesn't immediately get that until yeah. they engage with it a little bit and then they learn the chart type. Yeah. So, are there chart other chart types that you like to use that you think people now or you know your regular readers, especially like getting? I think one that I've seen that sort of I think oh I should probably move back. That is crossing the threshold is uh, cartograms. Mm-hmm. Like I think if if you made a cartogram like five years ago, like I think you would still get like, well, what is this? Like, right. it's the United States? That's bullshit. No, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now I think I think back to the, the you know these midterms. Like uh, most people just defaulted to the mid to the right. cartogram view, which right. I think is fucking fantastic. Yeah, like it is the better way to look at congressional results. Data. Right. Um, and I mean that makes me happy. Like equal area representation, yeah. land doesn't vote. Right. Um, so that that's one that I think yeah. is is bubbling up. But do you um, think those translate? I always wonder about these translating to the world. Like I did for fun. I did like a tile grid map of the world, which sure. was stupid. Yeah, I right? like you know, like I mean, Russia can't be the same size as Barbados. Like that's yeah, kind of ridiculous. So do they scale up? You think to the world? Um, I think it depends. Like I think. It, it the reason they work for political data is mm-hmm. because often like one congressional district is one congressional district right, right? so like there is a one to one thing regardless of land um i think when you have world data it's like what do you it depends what you're mapping, mapping right? right like are you mapping something where like one country truly is one country and right. it has equal weight like yeah. and what data is barbados equal to russia yeah 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 uh, nothing, nothing nothing yeah nothing so <laughs> um and it's also, I mean, it's actually, it's, you know, a congressional district cartogram is much more complex in the world because it's like, what, uh, 435 versus how many countries are there, like 250? 250, something, 228 yeah. or something like that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I find the cartograms of the world, usually the ones that I see that mm-hmm. I kind of like are, they're essentially bubbles. They're essentially yeah. just a packed bubble map, and it's yeah. not even about the geography per se. They're just like... Here's the North American countries are here in blue, and here's yeah. the Asian countries are in purple. And, yeah. and it's like, it's not even so much about getting the geography really remotely right. It's just like the, within the region. Yeah. Like, it, well, obviously, it's like a US centric view to begin with. It's yeah. like the US is over here on the left, and Asia's over there in the bottom right, and Oceania's down, yeah. you know, the bottom right. I think, you know, what it needs is like, you, we, I think eventually somebody will figure out a really great way of doing it. And yeah. And we're all going to copy that person. Right. And then and that'll be the standard. And that's it. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, the same way, I mean, even even the congressional district cartograms, like, they're like, they're still very, uh, um, what's the word? Boutique. Yeah. Right? Like, everybody's are. got their own cut. Right. right. Which is nice. It's, it's a, nice. So I agree that it's nice. It also is like, if I look at a. You know, I know we're not supposed to look at Mercator maps, but, you know, if I look at a Mercator map projection, I know where Virginia is. Yeah. If I look at a tile grid map, you know, Axios is going to be different than the Post and the Times yeah. and 538, like, and that's not the way geography works. Maybe we works. should just standardize it. Maybe there should be, like, just a, card- a cartogram one. consortium. Right? <laughs> they should and just agree. Everybody just decides we're going to do this one. <laughs> that's and then, it. And then we'll just fight for two weeks and I, I, not agree I, on anything. <laughs> I like they just pick one. They're just yeah. that's it. But they're all they all have their they all have their own little thing. 
right? Yeah. I don't know. I think it is it is at a nice spot where like it, it, you know, you're living through something where like you can sort of you can see design yeah. decisions being you know happening in real time. Right. Which is right, that's right. It's a it's a nice joy yeah. in life. Um so what do you foresee for twenty nineteen? Both uh, both for you and for Axios and Dataviz in general. Mm-hmm. Uh well I mean for, for us, like I think our goal for twenty nineteen is, you know, we have such a great fast gear, like we can just produce and produce and produce. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge for us is like slow down, right? Like what mm-hmm. is what, what what do bigger projects um, look like for us? And right. Find a way to do them like with much more intentionality. Yeah. Um, for Dataviz in general, like I don't, I, I've, I've given up guessing to be honest. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just I think something that we're in the midst of right now is um, the sort of mobile uh, revolution. Where like you, you know, if, if think back to like what 2012, 2013, where like the New York Times was producing these like fantastic interactive yeah. charts. Um, you know, they were all 900 and 900 pixels wide. Yeah, right. Yeah, it fit perfectly on the on, you know on your desktop, desktop and yeah. then they looked like nothing on mobile, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> which is you know, nobody was thinking about mobile yeah. because you had like the iPhone and who cares, right? Right. right. Uh, now I think you know I would say that more than 50 percent of anybody's page views come from um, you know a mobile, mobile. device, yeah. right? And how do you translate something really dense? into a smaller screen where like you have less you know you have a, a shorter attention span you have uh, less real estate to display your information right um and i think it's hard like it's just really really difficult yeah like, i mean that's something that we struggle with every day like whenever we make a really crazy chart and you know it's like oh great now make it read on 300 you know 300 yeah. pixels wide right it's just you know, it's just this is why we have jobs so do you um i think it was an axios one you guys did a beast more plot that was vertical yeah it was lined up vertically it was time it was a twitter data or something like that yep. and it was a beast more and it was time going from uh the far pass at the top and then you scroll down and you're closer and closer yeah so have you ever done a piece like that where you're like okay so on the phone it makes sense to go vertical, but maybe on a desktop. Oh, yeah, all the time. To, yeah. Switching orientations is like a really yeah. common trick, right? Yeah. Where on desktop, like height is probably your most important, mm-hmm. um, you know, dimension because you don't want to be too tall. Yeah. But you have the benefit of width. Right. Um, whereas on, on phones, like you can scroll as much as you want. Right. But like you got to pack it all in like, you know, a tiny little narrow Switch screen. The, yeah, the fast. But the even fast then, nobody's going to scroll that far. No, that's it's right. Like, it's that's like, right. it's hard. It's yeah. just like uh, you have to strike the balance between you know, density and, uh, and, uh, brevity, right? right? Where like, are people, just because you're taking up space doesn't mean you're saying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a couple of decent practices, but mm-hmm. then the thing, it's like, if you design something for mobile, then does it just kind of look sparse on desktop? Right. Yeah. And then, then you have the conundrum of like, well, why are you putting so much information on desktop and shortchanging your mobile readers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do they not deserve the same information? <laughs> But then some people will say, like, well, nobody wants to read that much on mobile, right? Yeah. Like, it's okay to take some things away. Right. So, like... Do they do the same for the writing? No, I mean, I think the writing is the same. The writing is the same. Everywhere. Right. 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 But I think writing is, you know, text is very responsive. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious, like, if you think that people are only, yeah, you know, scrolling up with their thumbs so far. Mm-hmm. But I guess you just... Well, you stop scrolling. You stop right? scrolling, stop scrolling or, yeah. or like, you know, like the, again, like, you know, our text is like, you'll have two paragraphs before right. the read more. Before break, right. So like we do that automatically for you. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like, yeah. Um, so it's already sort of built in. Right. It's, you know, we, we sort of write and edit and package our yeah. content 
with the acknowledgement that like you are busy, you do not have time, and right. you should you know inform yourself. Right. Uh, last question. I don't know if you sure. know the answer to this though. Um, Probably not. So I know the post does like A/B testing yeah. on their articles. So they like mix up the, the they'll mix the headline and yeah. also the picture that does mm-hmm. that. Do you guys do that sort of thing? And more kind of more to my interest, have you tried doing that with like DataViz? Well, I mean, we've done limited analytics yeah. with, uh, with with DataViz um, just to figure out. I mean, we did one test where it's like, are people hovering on counties? Uh, mm-hmm. Surprise, no. Uh, <laughs> um, so we've done some limited tests like that, but we have not gotten around to doing A-B testing. A-B testing. But that is fascinating to know. I mean, I, I, I'm personally um, interested in knowing if uh, folks interact with like really odd chart types. Right, right, exactly. Right? Because like, you know, assume that like, you know, a baseline of folks are just going to scroll right past it. Yep. Right. Um, of the folks that do stay there, like, are they perplexed? Like, right. Are they frustrated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, how can you gauge that? Right. right. So there's the question of why they're sitting on this complex beast, yeah. whatever. So there's that question. But there's also the question of there's a beast worm chart versus a bar chart. Yeah. And, like, are people more likely to hover over the bar chart? Or well, you wouldn't even chart? hover. Not hover, but, like, stay. You get more readers reading the bar chart than the beast one and do they spend more time with one or the other and yeah. then you get to this question of why are they spending more time yeah on the one or the other so i don't know i mean i i haven't heard a lot of people trying to do this a b testing i yeah. presume it's really hard to do uh well you have to be, you have to figure out you know how to measure it right like yeah. i think often with analytics it's like you know are you the thing you think you're measuring is probably not what you think you're measuring right so yes. like so i mean and even even with like a chart type like you know, maybe the point is for people not to have to spend a huge amount of time yeah. reading something, right? Right. right. Uh, in that case, that is that is success, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And your beast form is not successful. Right. That's right. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally think like I would not like to live in a world where like everybody just decided like we're only going to do bar charts and line charts, yes. right? Like that would be sad. Right. Um, I think it is important to just like push the field, right? Like, like I think it is good that weird charts exist just to show that they are possible. Yes. Like even if you know, even if you don't make it again or it sucked, like right. it's good that you did it. Yeah, you tried it. You got it out of your system, right? Like <laughs> yeah. and maybe Creative. and maybe somebody like 30 years from now will find this and be like, "Oh, I'm going to improve upon this." Uh-huh. And they'll find success. Yeah. You know, like I I made this thing um a while ago, it was like the Emoji States of America or something. Yeah, where yeah. I did like turn off emoji faces. Yeah. And, you know, the guy, uh, Chernoff, the guy who created the chart type, like, he did it, like, what, in, like, a, this late 60s, late 70s yeah, or something. Like that, yeah. And, like, nobody really took him seriously. Like, everybody was like, oh, you know, this is this is not good, yeah. right? But, like, you know, I found it, like, right. you know, in 2018. And, my, like... My son loves it. Great. Yeah, you know, that's so, my that's my target audience. <laughs> um, Nine-year-olds. Yep, that's it. So, I think it's, it's... I think, you know, it's hard to see the value of, like, experimenting and, like, doing weird things... You know, because maybe there, maybe there's no payoff. Like yeah. maybe like nobody will read it, right. right? But like maybe it'll influence somebody like in a profound way, right? Like much further on, and you'll never know about it. Yeah, but you will have contributed to the, the craft to the world. Yeah. yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah, thank you, friend. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And 
thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the Policy Viz podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I've got some great episodes coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, really excited to share with you some great discussions with folks uh, from around the world doing some really neat work with data visualization and presentation skills. So again, if you would like to support the show, please do consider leaving a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider, or also consider becoming a Patreon supporter. For just a couple bucks a month, you can help me out uh, support the show and uh, not force me to go find advertisers. So until next week, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.